0: The Trail Bride, Chapter Five. What is your choice? Ray was up at before dawn. She sat on the in the box seat of her wagon, watching the plains flood with slow light rising like a tide to a levee. She snuck her hand into the small satchel of dirt in her pocket, sifting it through her fingers, thinking things through in the final moments but she couldn't doubt her own choice now. When she crept out of Finn and Rose's wagon at first light, she saw that horse tied, watching her with big, glassy eyes. You have more suitors than me, she griped at it, hopping down into the dirt without anyone's help. She didn't like the thing, didn't want it to get close to it, but since no one else was awake to tell her what to do or how to treat it, she approached cautiously in her nightdress. "'I remember when my old man brought you home,' she mused, crossing her arms. "'She had not been happy. "'But what was she to say? "'That it was her money? "'And risk a slap on a good day, or worse?' "'So she kept her arms sunk in the dishwater dishwater "'and asked the farmer Nima if he'd had a name picked out for the beast. "'She had given him no children. "'Perhaps this was her trade.' He could spend as much of her hard-earned money as she wanted if it meant no babies to raise. She took another step, watching the muscular legs shift under a slick black coat. She focused on the white star on the stallion's head, holding her breath. It would be beautiful if it was not what it was. The beast could not help what it was. The horse clearly did not like being tied to a hitch stack, stack, staked into the ground. There wasn't a lot of there wasn't a lot of lead room. She'd give the damn thing credit to its anger for that, but she'd hoped it would stay quiet. It would quiet after a few days. I was so mad, and I had half a mind to put a bullet straight through your head to show him what happens to that kind of money when you spend it on a racehorse, right into that star. She tapped the vortex of white fur. I don't think I could like you any less than. Oh, (laughs) I didn't think I could like you any less than. How wrong I was. His head swung to the side, a huff releasing from that big nose. It rushed against her arm, hot and muggy. She tried not to shriek with reviled feelings for the sensation. Ray stepped back. "'Some good will come out of you yet,' she informed the beast, her jaw tight. "'She had no control of this animal. "'The last thing she needed was to get it getting upset. "'So she dressed, climbed to the front of her wagon, "'almost striking her head on one of the rifles hanging from the overhead bows, "'and sifted through the dirt of her husband's grave, "'just touching it inside the bag, working it between her fingers, thinking. "'She might have been awake first. But after she dressed and sat herself down, she was in a trance for the rest of the morning. She had planned to get this done early, so everything was settled. But Poe was whistling for everyone to get back to their teams, get their teams ready to drive before she so much as stirred in that box seat. She winced, now having to save the business proceedings for her day, of her day for noon, or later considering the drive. Poe! She yelled, knowing it was unladylike. "'She did not know how to whistle yet. "'She should have called him Mr. Dameron, "'but that didn't travel as well as a shout. "'Poe was good; was a good enough sport, sport to overlook all that "'and jog over to her, tilting his head up to speak to her "'from his, her raised seat. "'You need a few minutes, Mrs. Neva?' "'No, my team is ready.' "'She took the reins in her hands to show him. "'She was ready in the general sense.' Her team was hitched and watered. She had just been... caught off guard. She didn't like feeling this way. "'How far is the nearest town?' He looked confused. "'We're about three or four days to Independence Rock. Is there something you need? We can pool resources until then, with you being recently widowed.' "'I have all I need to get me there, Poe. I can handle myself for three or four days.' She glanced down at her hands. There were red marks from the reins, rising across her palms after several days' tight grip, slack, and pull. Her hands were used to work. Just not this work. Yet. She closed her eye, her hands, then her eyes tight and swallowed. I'm going to need to lighten the load once I get there. I can sell some things, right? It's sufficient to trade? Poe nodded cautiously. "'You wouldn't get the same price you would back east for it, "'but you'll get enough that's not a blatant insult to your intelligence. "'If you'd like someone to accompany you, I will.' "'She tried to drag back the sharpness in her tone. "'It took more effort than she had the energy for. "'The words came out jagged either way. "'I will handle my finances privately, Mr. Namorin.' "'He looked nervously up at her. "'There's no shame in running back east, Mrs. Mrs. Nema, "'especially in your circumstances. "'If you'd like, I can help make the arrangements. "'I'm not going back east.' "'Her breath hissed out of her nose like that damn stallion's. "'She was fisting the reins like she was strangling the damn things. "'I'm not. Ever.' Poe shut his mouth pretty quick. "'His eyes were fearful.' but his smile wasn't pressed. Well, if it suits you, Ray. And she nodded to him, straightening her posture for the drive that she would be doing. He jogged away to lead the train from his horse. Rose was kind enough to walk with her for a few hours, Ray driving, Rose keeping pace along the wagon. Rose was a chatterer, but she didn't seem to mind that Ray was not. It was nice to have something that she could option to listen to, even if her attention for the conversation wavered in and out as the day progressed. The horse was still hitched to the back and causing a moment or two of annoyance from her by acting up, but when Solo quickly passed her wagon as he did every morning, he called out, "'You're going to need to run him twice a day, or he's going to hurt someone.' "'That won't matter once he's glue.' Ben had to keep most of his focus on driving his team, but his mouth hung open at her reply. Nat craned back to look at her for too long, before he swung his head back around to see where he was going. She saw a defeated slouch to his shoulders as he pulled on ahead. Rose chewed her lip, looking cautiously at Ray. At noon, there was a fortuitous chance of finding some berries. Poe checked the bushes carefully, tried them for himself, and told the party that they were safe. The men were to take this opportunity to stop and rest, and the women could go gather some from their families. Ray was a wagon driver like the men, but she was also a woman. Though she preferred the option to rest, her arms were trembling with strain when she sat for a moment too long on her box seat. It became clear that no one would stop staring at her until she climbed down and picked some goddamn berries. She grabbed a basket, grumbling, even though it was better not to waste the opportunity to acquire fresh food. Joke was on them. She'd get to eat all the berries she picked herself. She had half a basket before she was approached. She was vulnerably bent over to reach the ripest ones deeper in the bushes when he parked himself right by her backside to do so. Mrs. Nema. She straightened, snuck up on him, quite pissed about that. Mr. Hux! She held her basket in front of her, a move that was a little forced in how practiced and casual it was supposed to look. He himself was posed too casually, like he was coming a-courtin and not leveraging her freedom for security. The six hellions, babies excluded from the cluster, saw them talking and and already exchanged giggles. He turned a little red, not around the cheeks like Solo had, but on his neck. Sickly red, blotchy, made her uncomfortable to watch. She just kept picking, just so this wouldn't be a complete waste of time. He took her hand. She did not like this, because he he ripped it away from its task like it already belonged to him. This wasn't something to change her mind, but it was something to gather her chase. Upon marriage, she was his to do with what he wished. There was no legal punishment for laying hands on a wife. She knew this. Ray knew this intimately well. Have you given more thought to my offer? Yes. It was odd that she knew what to do, not how to do it yet. I thank you for your generous proposal, but I am not suited to being a preacher's wife, and more intimate knowledge of my character under better circumstances would have made it very clear to you. I'm sorry to have misled you. He squeezed down on her hand, hard, enough to bruise. She did not whimper and bend at the knee as he seemed to hope she would. She stared up at him, gritting her teeth. Break a damn finger for all I care, you bastard. It's all been done before. The Lord has mysterious ways of testing us, Mrs. Nema. Perhaps this is him reaching out to you for your true duties in life. Her nose wrinkled with a sour twist. She smoothed her apron mostly to free her hand, but also just to do something other than to try and scramble for words. Be that as it may, you are the only judge of that at this moment, Mr. Hux, and I do not feel comfortable with a man as my keeper and my judge. You will strand yourself out here. His voice lowered considerably. He bent toward her with intense confidentiality. Instead of lounging opened postured like a Miss Austin hero against the bush berry bushes. He was threatening her. She trained her tone into something familiar to her, something dumb, something ignorant, something that did not know what she was doing. These were all lies. Heaven helps only those who those who can help themselves, mister Hucks. I would could no sooner be a burden to you than to my neighbor. Consider it my act of Christian charity. She drew herself up to her full height, practically snapping his nose between her teeth. Or my act of saying God might as well have dropped a race ho- off a racehorse and broke his goddamn neck three days ago, for all I care to think about him. I take my fate into my own hands, and if it must be the sacrifice I must make to do so, I will wait hell smiling." Hux gaped at her. "'You're nothing but a viper. You have signed your own death warrant.' He grabbed her elbow, and her voice came out loud and clear. "'Do not touch me! Get off of her!' A massive hand hauled Hux back by the shoulder. Ray drew herself away with her full basket tucked in the crook of her elbow. Ben Solo wasn't brawling on her behalf, he was too smart for that, but he did hold the preacher out of reach from her until Ray by herself was extracted, walking up and down the creek bank like nothing happened while Hucks had his fit. She snacked on berries as Phil- Solo and Finn, now joining the fray, admonished the preacher for grabbing her. "'Cool off,' Finn advised to the Fred-faced preacher, not giving much room to argue. "'Drink some water!' Hux tore away to the river. She did not like how this had gone for several reasons. Hux's reaction was unfavorable, but proved her instincts right. She felt eyes on her. Clever eyes. Ray looked back at the berry bushes, Ben Solo towering out of them like a black bear, watching her. She burst a raspberry with her tongue, staring him down as she took her walk. But Solo was far too happy with the turn of events. There was something about Solo's smirk that made her very uncomfortable with how smug he was. Leading Hux away from his sore ego, his smile was radiant, and she knew she had caused it. She—it didn't feel; well, it was just because he won her. And he did—he think he'd—he'd he'd won her. but he was glowing because he thought he'd won something better. His assumptions irked her and gave her much to think about. Someone was standing behind her, waiting to catch her off guard for the second time that day. Dust coated her skin, her eyes constantly watered from it, her lips and tongue feeling like the dry tome in an ancient library. She felt dirty. Her hair, which had been plaited up to keep the braids out of the way, was frizzing out of her efforts to tame it and wisped around her brows and ears. Her hands were a mess of blisters and calluses. Gloves. Not little white finger gloves for church or a luncheon. Thick leather gloves. That was the first thing she'd buy after selling that horse. She felt as desirable as a sack of potatoes. "'and viewed the histrionics in camp over marrying her as now laughable. "'One would think of her a debutante by reputation only. "'When she looked over her shoulder, "'she saw Solo stroking the horse's nose. "'He hovered, almost shyly, in the shadows cast by the setting sun, "'maybe reluctant to make it obvious he was here to claim his prize. "'Ray was busy building her cooking fire.' She'd done it plenty of times by herself. It just got started much later than most people in camp because her husband would be the one tying up the livestock at the end of the long day before she got dinner started. She could do it. She could do both. May I help you? He stepped away from the horse, though she could tell it took him great effort. I think you already know it's gone quite a ways around camp. His pace towards her was lackadaisical. He smiled easily down at her, like this was all so funny. That wasn't so hard, was it? She focused on the kindling she was working, filling the branches with enough of the stuff that caught quickly to try and make a hearth that would burn outward. I find it not nearly as hard as I had anticipated, Mr. Solo. Now that you've gotten that unpleasantness out of the way for me, I she whipped her head around. Ray was always careful. She held her tongue until she dropped the lit match into her waiting tinder. She had been so careful, but right now, she had never felt so good about doing something so dumb. Who said anything about you? Great chapter, right? See you next time.